Well, happy almost new year to you all. Hey, welcome to the worship service this morning. You've been introduced to the fact that this is an online thing that we do kind of every year now, and we're glad to have you with us. I'm Pastor Joe Wood from the Vineyard, and we are going to settle into the very last message, not just in our Christmas series, but also in 2023. We have gathered together. 2023 is now over. If the Lord tarries, we are about to begin 2024. Now, I want to take you to in the beginning, but not really in the beginning. I'm going to go tell 12 chapters into in the beginning. So if you've got your Bible with you, and I would encourage you, um, I want to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. I want to end this year with this encouragement and challenge and let you know that at the end that there's also going to be an opportunity for prayer. But let's go to Genesis chapter 12 and let me read this for you. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's what God says to Abram, who you maybe know as Abraham, as he begins to lead him forward. Now, if I can just fast forward another six chapters in Genesis chapter 18, flip there real quick, okay? Then the Lord said to Abraham, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He was getting ready to do something down in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham, now his name's been changed, will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, look at this, look at this legacy, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised him. And so that's what we're looking at. You know, the year, excuse me, the word for this year going into 2023, way back in January, we announced it, we do this every year, is available. And the question is, how have you become available? Listen, Abraham was available to God. Now, this is a catch, okay, because he was a pagan. Uh, Abraham was a pagan. We know, but honestly, at the very least, he was a heathen. You say, what's a pagan and a heathen, Pastor Joe? Okay, let me just define that for you. A heathen is a person who is not religious or whose religion is not Judaism, Islam, or especially Christianity. Basically, second um, definition is a non-religious or uncultured person. A heathen is somebody who just is not interested in spiritual things um, at all. They don't follow any relation. Where a pagan is a follower of a religion that is not specifically Christianity. It may be animism. It may be um, all kinds of, a, a lot of Wiccan, a lot. Okay, that's, that's paganism, a little uh, animal worship. But here's the deal. Somewhere in there, Abraham was one of those people and God called Abraham and Abraham made himself available to God. And so our word this year has been available. And I would encourage you, not only was Abraham available, but you heard this promise from um, Genesis 18. He handed down his relationship to God to his children. And from this, his children experienced the promise of God as it unfolded to nations. So we see down through the years and generations that Abraham 
um, and his family were available as a legacy. Availability to God was a legacy for Abraham and his family. Our word, again, for 2023 was available. And I want you to ask yourself right now, just, just take a couple of seconds. You're sitting there in your jammies, got your cocoa, got your coffee, got your latte, whatever it might happen to be this morning, okay? But you're chilling and you're enjoying. You got your favorite dog next to you, okay? But here's the deal. How have you been available to God in 2023? Man, I'm so serious about this word and I, and I go through the different ways. But honestly, how is it that you have been available to God as you stop and think, what honest legacy will you leave to your children concerning your own spiritual experience and relationship to God Almighty in heaven? How would you define your availability. Were you just a churchgoer? You were only available on Sunday for two hours, travel back and forth. Um, were you a social advocate? Yes, I went to church, but really what I wanted to do was be a part of the Hope Food Pantry or I wanted to be a part of social programs that are in the church that I could be a part of because I, I don't know about the God stuff, but I like the social stuff. Um, is, is that your availability to God Almighty? Were you maybe a generous giver? You're like, hey man, I don't want to get all plugged into the small group stuff. Little throw here. Did you hear Pastor Janice say? Small group start January 7th. If you're not going to get in a small group, are you really going to heaven? No, I'm kidding. It's okay. It's okay. But listen, are you maybe just a generous giver and you're like, man, I'll throw some money in the pot, but I don't know if I really want to get that involved. Or, or are you honestly a Jesus follower. Uh, let's leave the tax table. Let's leave the fish. Let's leave what we're doing when we hear him say, come follow me and make ourselves available to Jesus Christ. This morning wraps up our Christmas series. The whole idea about believing. But really, it's a Christianity story, not a Christmas story. You see, the Christianity story is all about people being available. And seriously, long before Jesus was born, that was the truth. But the Christmas story is so full, and we're going to talk about that for a second, of people being and making themselves available in ways that cost them their lives. And sometimes we get a little worried because we might be inconvenienced, right? If we make ourselves available to God. Ah, oh, we don't have time to stop and help that guy. We can't take that guy to lunch. We can't stop and pray for those people. We can't give 10 bucks to the guy with the sign. Ah, I really don't have time to go to church today because, man, I stayed out too late last night. Really? We want to be available to God because we want to see God do incredible things in your life. Listen, from the manger to Bethlehem to the cross outside Jerusalem to the empty tomb to Galilee and then to heaven, this story is about being available to God. Zechariah and Elizabeth and baby John, available to God. First of all, they were serving in the temple. But then when they didn't have a baby, they cried out to God. God waited till they were past a childbearing age, gave them a child who became the forerunner. So Elizabeth and um, Zechariah made themselves available to God for, say, you know, nine months plus the, the 18 years to raise John. But then John gave his life to proclaim Jesus and they cut his head off and gave it to what's his name's wife. It's like, come on. Herodias. Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus made themselves available to God because God wanted to save his children, you and I. That's what they were doing. 
to some degree, the angels that spoke to the shepherds, the angels that spoke to Joseph, the angel that spoke to Mary made themselves available. They left heaven. I'm just telling you right now, from what I read about heaven, I want to get there. Really, I really do. And I'm not sure I would want to leave when I got there. I don't know that I would be available anymore. Send somebody else, Lord. I'm staying. Come on. Available. Think about it. Then the shepherds immediately made themselves available to go and see what the Lord had done. And then the Magi made themselves available. Man, we're talking about at least a two-year journey. And then maybe, maybe a year and a half, two years back, now that they knew where the child was. And who knows what the Magi did once they got home. Man, that's a question that is on my mind. It's like they saw the baby king. They heard the story from people going, you're looking for the baby, the one in the manger, the one born king of the Jews. What did they do with that information in their own personal lives? Did they make themselves available? Then Jesus started calling disciples, Simon Peter. Hey, do you know Common? Do you know Cupid? Do you know Donner? Do you know Blitzen? What about, do you know Simon? Do you know Andrew? Do you know James? Do you know Je Can we name 12 disciples, actually 13 disciples? Can we name them? Think about it. Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, um, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, Mattathias or Matthias, however you're going to say that, and Paul, the apostle. That's 14. Those guys made themselves available even to the point of death. Check this out. We spoke about believing all month. But we didn't want to like put your arm behind your back and make you believe. The goal here was to rather to invite you to take a step of faith, choose to believe that God exists and that he does in fact reward those who, here it comes, earnestly seek him. And as you earnestly seek him to have him kindle a belief inside of you, a faith that's active, or to rekindle that which maybe you walked away from or you're struggling with, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to have doubts. Man, John the Baptist, the night before his head was cut off or maybe a couple of days, he's in prison and he said to his disciples, he said, you go back to that Jesus guy and you, you just say, John wants to know if you're the real one. Are you really the one? Am I getting this right? So it's okay for us to have doubts. I believe, like Pastor Jeff said a couple weeks ago, God wants to meet you in an experience, not in knowledge. God wants to be there for you. And so we see this picture. All of these people were called, here comes a new word, to represent the kingdom of God on this earth. They preached, they traveled, they gave, they received, they healed, they taught, they empowered, they cared, they did miracles, they spoke in tongues, they were loved, they were hated. And most of them, when they made themselves available, were martyred. Peter and Paul, both of them died in Rome around 66 AD. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't believe that he deserved to be crucified right side up because he's not Jesus. He's just a disciple. Andrew is said to have traveled through into modern day Turkey where he was crucified. Thomas was speared to death in India after he had traveled around and ended up in India. Philip was arrested for converting a Roman proconsul's wife to Christianity. And so they arrested him. And, and I love this. He died cruelly. Listen, I don't know what you do and don't see in those reels on social media, but I'm telling you, the Romans had some really nasty ways to kill people. 
So when it says cruelly, man, I cannot imagine what he suffered. Matthew is said to have been stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew is said to have been martyred for his faith. James, the son of Alphaeus, was stoned and then clubbed to death, according to Josephus. That's recorded. They threw enough rocks they thought they killed him. When that didn't work, they picked up sticks and went and beat him to death. Wow. Simon the Zealot was killed in Persia for not worshiping the sun god. He was trying to tell them about Jesus, and they're like, no, so they killed him. Matthias, who was chosen after Judas had killed himself, is said to have been burned to death in Syria. And then the last one that I have is John is said to have died of old age on Patmos in exile after they attempted to boil him in oil and it didn't kill him. Now listen, I know some of this is legend, but the bottom line is these people, they represented. They represented to the death. And our word for 2024 is represent. Not like we're all gonna be killed tomorrow. (laughs) I don't want you to think that. But what does it mean for you to represent the kingdom of God as an ambassador for Christ at work, in your marriage, as a parent, as you go to the grocery store? Listen, I'm a pastor, and there's times that I have to apologize to people because I didn't represent well. And I still look for places where I'm not representing well, not to beat myself up, Because I get that the kingdom of God is moving forward in the hands of broken people saved by grace. And I want to encourage you. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to represent as well. So the the word for 2024 is represent. What does that mean for us? Well, it means a couple of things. Number one, it means this. If you're somebody who writes things down. Number one. If you are saved by by the blood of the Lamb, then you belong to the capital family of God. You belong. You belong to the family of God. You're in. You're selected. You're wanted. You're saved. The grace and the blood of Jesus Christ covers you. You have the right to come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need because he is your dad. He is not God Almighty up in the heavens. He is Abba, Father. Come on in, sit down. Tell me what's going on in your life, son or daughter. That's the relationship he wants with you. That's the relationship God wants with you. Your family. You have the right to come in and say, hey, God, look at what it says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2 and verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same Family. That's Jesus that, that Paul's talking about as he writes. I think he wrote the book of Hebrews. That's, he's saying Jesus is the one that gave you the right to be called family. But look what else it says. So Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. Listen, I know you're not perfect. I know you struggle. I know maybe you've got a gossipy tongue. I know maybe you're, sometimes you're a little bit rude or you're a little bit backwards or you're a little bit whatever it might be. Sometimes you can be offended. Sometimes you can be offensive. Sometimes you're struggling with porn. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes, listen, we're all people struggling with our humanity. The point is, and I don't know why, but God saved ordinary people and put the kingdom of God in their hands. And I'm still, uh, that's one of those things that I still fall over thinking about. 
You can picture that in your head. You know, if weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. You know, there goes Pastor Joe again. He's thinking about, yeah, I just do. It's like God wants you and I in our imperfection to move the kingdom of God forward and, here, and represent. And I want to encourage you to do it. That that's what we're called to. Book of Romans chapter 8 says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. And what Paul's saying is this, we represent the family even if it hurts. And if we're willing to let it, let it be that kind of devotion to God, then we also represent as joint heirs like, hey, give me some of the income. Give me some of the inheritance. That inheritance is heaven. That inheritance is glory. That inheritance is the right to talk to God. That inheritance is the Holy Spirit working through you through the gifts of the Spirit, doing things that you never dreamed of, but not, not casually, passionately, if we love Him that way. So you are good enough. You are. Your family. You are good enough. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Here's... It doesn't matter what you say about you. You are good enough. No one, no one can tell you any different. Nobody has the right to come and tell you God saves everybody but you. If you want to be saved, God wants to transform your life. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He doesn't want you to be a drunkard, a drug addict, a womanizer, a liar, a thief, a cheat, a cursor. He wants you to embrace it. He doesn't want you to get cleaned up first. He makes you part of the family. He runs out off the porch. There's so many metaphors in the scripture about how much God loves you. You are part of the family. Okay. Number two, if you belong to the family of God, then you have a right to the authority, joint heirs, you have a right to the authority of God to sit at the table of God. You have a right to the authority. Jesus, on his way out, after he had told us that unless he goes home, the Holy Spirit cannot come down here and take up residence inside of our life. He said this in Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to his disciples and he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I have it all. He said, it's all mine. Dad, God, the Father, however you want to call him, came to me and said, it's all yours, and took a step back. And I don't know what God's doing. Listen, I don't know where God lives. I don't know what's, I know he's in heaven. But I don't know anything beyond what God shows me, okay? But I know that he put everything under Jesus' feet. And Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding on our behalf. He's running things, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was God, and God was with God, and God, uh, and, uh, excuse me, the Word was God, and, and the Word is God, and through Him all things were made, and nothing was made that hasn't been made through Him. Okay, you, you get that? John 1.1. 1, 1. That's Jesus. But it says right here, all authority, He said, has been given to me. And then He says this, so you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see what? We're baptizing people in the name of the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit. You get Him. You get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not just for back then. You get the Holy Spirit. And when you baptize them, I want you to teach them to obey everything Jesus shared with us. That's why there are four gospel accounts of what Jesus said, so that we can teach people this is what Jesus said. 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See? We have authority to do these things in Jesus' name. At one point, Jesus says, listen, whoever you forgive on this earth will be forgiven in heaven. Whatever you don't forgive on this earth will not be forgiven in heaven. Do you see the authority that we have? He gave it to us. In John 14, it says, very truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the things, the works that I've been doing and my emphasis will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And Jesus said, if I go to the Father, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit. He's going to indwell you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to be yours from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't think that list is exhaustive, but there's power there to move the kingdom of God forward, see people healed, to know what's coming, to be spoken to by God. And I, for one, am ready for greater things. I am ready for more of Jesus and less of Joe. He gets bigger, I get smaller. That's the goal. The focus has to be, however, the glory of God and kingdom growth. When we say, well, what about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? They are for kingdom growth to affect people's lives, to see them healed, to see them encouraged, to see them taught, to see them learn, to see them change. They're not just for us to go around and speak willy-nilly and do whatever we want. God said, get serious. God didn't hand out the Holy Spirit in the first century and too bad for the rest of you Christians for the rest of the eternity. That's nonsense. Straight up, how can I be so dumb nonsense? Now. The Holy Spirit is for you now. Jesus said, unless he leaves, the Holy Spirit won't come. So then Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is here to stay. In the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit indwelling people. In the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God coming and going and coming and going. See, that's some of the differences between the way things used to be and the New Covenant. I believe it's one of the Old Testament prophets that said, you will seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. I think that is probably maybe even the cornerstone when people say, well, then why doesn't God still do? Why don't people still seek? Why don't they get passionate? Why don't they fast? Why don't they pray? Why don't they give? Why don't they go? Why? There's, there's something there for us to understand. Authority is yours and mine to teach, to heal, to baptize, but more than anything else, to represent. As we go into 2024, if the Lord tarries past today, I really believe this stuff, then we're called to represent, and it's time for us to stand up. Enough of what's going on in our world. I don't expect the world to follow Jesus Christ, but they at least need to be given the opportunity to, and then the world can do what the world's going to do. I'm an ambassador. My king is not from here. He sent me here. Last thing I want to share with you is this. So if you have the right to the authority of God, then you have an obligation to represent the kingdom of God. Peter said, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You ever think about that? You're God's special possession. That's who you are. That you may declare this is your purpose that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You're his special possession, and he has a special mission for you. And it's a simple one. Keep talking about Jesus. Not what did he do, 
but rather what is he doing in your life? Because once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy through Jesus Christ. Freely you have received, Jesus said, so freely go and tell people. Paul said to the church in Corinth that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to you and I this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us now that Christ has died for us and been raised from the dead. So we as Christian people, as leaders in the church, as, as people connected to God, we implore you on God's behalf to be reconciled to God Okay, because listen, sometimes we just go to church, but be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I want to encourage you to be aware of that. The righteousness of God has no connection, no right. And this is our struggle with the, the, the filth and the sin and the mire of this world. We got to keep fighting it. But more than that, we don't, when you say, but how can I overcome it? You don't overcome it by looking at your struggle. You look at what you're called to. You press into what you're called to and you won't do what you're struggling with. It's, we're not doing enough of this and we keep finding ourselves back in this. And I wanna encourage you, we're called to represent, so let's go and this will fall away. Someone once said this, as Christians, you and I, are all in the family business because we're joint heirs. And the family business is making disciples. And I would wonder, who have you invited to church? Who have you led to the Lord? Who are you discipling? And discipling doesn't have to be some kind of big giant formal, I'm teaching them the seven spiritual laws, I'm doing it. Okay, it needs to include some of that. Your walk with Jesus is what you use to disciple somebody into a relationship with Jesus. And it might have scripture, or it might be just inviting another couple into your house because you have a Christian marriage and they're trying to understand a Christian marriage. Discipleship is doing life together for the purpose of raising somebody up as a leader. And I would encourage you to be aware, aware of that. You and I have been given the tools, which are the power of the family. They're inside of us. Paul said that he didn't see people get saved or healed or raised from the dead because of clever words that people believed and understood or clever arguments. He said, I came to you with evidence that was powerful and it healed people and it raised them from the dead and it saw their lives turned over to the kingdom of God away from paganism. Radical change. It's gonna come when you and I represent. Where can you represent as we go into 2024? How was your 2023? Are you leaving it and saying, wow, that was a decent year? If you're like me, you lost some friends, you lost some family members to death, you gained some friends, you gained some family members to marriage. Some were born, you got more family members. You moved in another circle, you've got more friends. It's life. It ebbs, it flows, it hurts, it celebrates, but it's a balance. As we move forward, I wanna encourage you that it's time 
right now to decide that we're going to leave 2023 behind. And you may have some things you need to work out. And, and if you do, there's a, a button there on your computer and it says chat. If you're there, if not, go, go to vineyardroom.com and, and get signed in and stuff. But click that button and, and just say, you know what? I really would like, there's somebody there, but I, I really would like for somebody to pray with me about this. Somebody will pray with you, okay? But I want to encourage you. Decide that you're going into 2024 and let 2023 stay here. Let the baggage, let the hurt, let the pain, let, let whatever it is that's threatening or trying to drag you down, leave it here in 2023. Don't take it with you, okay? Decide, Lord, I want you to have it. I want my life to be different than 2023. I want the power. I want the authority because I want to represent. I don't know if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but if you don't, it's, it's just a simple understanding of this. You were born separated from God. You're a sinner. You're a sinner at the base of who you are. You did not sin and become a sinner. You were born a sinner, separated from God because of Adam and Eve. As we grow into that, we decide, do we want to surrender our life to God? Do we want to come back to God and say, you know, God, when I live my own life, I'm a filthy sinner. And, and maybe you're not a horrible, filthy sinner. Maybe you're not robbing banks and killing people. Okay? Maybe it's just the fact that, you know what? You're not following God. And I just want to encourage you that becoming a Christian is as simple as just saying, Lord, I believe. I believe that Jesus is a Christ. I believe that he is God and he came down here and he died for my sins. I believe. That was our word for all of December. I believe that you, God, raised him from the dead. 500 people saw him that first week or two. Okay, people on the earth said they saw Jesus. I believe God, even though I wasn't there. And then you say, God, I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from you, and I want to give it to you. And you give it to God. You just say, God, here's my life. And you say, God, now I want you to come live inside of me, and I want to live for you. What do you want me to do now? And get up from that. And then see the pastor, a pastor, your pastor, this pastor, whatever pastor, and, and say, hey, you know what? Jesus got baptized after he joined the mission of the kingdom of God. I want to get baptized. We want to celebrate that with you. But maybe you're sitting there and you're like, Joe, I know this Jesus, but I'm, I'm not living that life that you're talking about. I'm missing something. I just want to lead you in a prayer. That's what I wanted to do. I kind of determined a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to lead anybody that wanted to. Say, God, I'm going into 2024 and I want a different life. I'm not saying he's going to give you a different husband, spouse, kids, dog, car. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying new focus, new purpose, new everything will change all of those things, not change all those things, reshape all of those things. So I just want to invite you to pray with me. God, as I come before you, no, go ahead and say that, okay? Yeah, in your house there. God, as I come before you, I am sorry for my sins in 2023. I'm sorry for um, quenching you as you tried to lead me in 2023. God, I want to be more available coming out of 2023 so that I can represent you if you should tarry. A lot of words I just gave you there. So that I can represent you if you tarry, God. Because I want to be the best person I can for you. So I give you my life. 
I give you my dreams. Give him your dreams. I give you my purpose. I, Lord, give you my job. I give you my spouse and my children. Don't leave them. Be a better parent. Be a better spouse. Because Christ lives inside of you. Now, God, make of my life whatever brings glory to you. But I know you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Say that part. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. So I know you're here. In Jesus' name, because we've been told to pray in Jesus' name, okay? That's why we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, amen doesn't mean you're done praying. Amen is the authority I talked about earlier. It means so be it. We could quickly and just as easily say, in Jesus' name, I command it. So be it. But now we have to live it. And I want to encourage you in that. Hey, I'm glad you were here with us this morning. My prayer will be that we will be together next Sunday, January 7th at 930 or 1115. Come say hi if you've never been to our church and you're looking for a church. We'd love to have you. If you're in a church, go back to your church and get plugged in. It'd be a good thing for you. But let's, if God's going to tarry, embrace 2024 as ambassadors for Christ who represent the kingdom of God. Hey, I'm Pastor Joe. I love you. It's been a good year. For some of us, it's been a year. But in all sincerity, we're here. 